Welcome to the tiny, dark, and dingy bedroom of one very bored individual. Please sit down, relax, and let's talk scary. This is the Scared Noodle Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Scared Noodle Podcast. I am your host, Noodles. Hoping to be catching you in the middle of a great holiday season, whether you celebrate it or not. Just hopefully you're in a good mood, in a good place. This is the Scare Noodle Podcast, a podcast talking all things horror and pop culture. Movies, TV shows, books, video games, the works. Catch an episode of this every single week. Right now, guys, I gotta apologize. The release dates have been crazy. My job schedule changed, so now episodes are being released a little later in the week, but that's only temporarily. I'm going to try to record multiple episodes throughout the week. That way I can schedule them to be released every Tuesday right before your morning commute. So you can download it, listen to it on your way to work or to the gym or whatever the hell you do in the morning or in the afternoon. Whatever floats your boat. But as long as I release an episode every week and you have access to it, I'm happy. But I know consistency is very important and I'm going to try to do that very very soon so for now some episodes are going to be coming out on friday for the next couple weeks but then we'll get back to the usual early in the week release schedule that we started with here this week's episode is going to be pertaining friday the 13th i'm going to be talking about the rights battle that just ended a couple months ago and i'm going to dive deep into two unused scripts which have where they were almost they almost went into production one pretty much ready to go and ready to start filming until the last second literally the final hour that movie was axed and cut the script was ready so that copy of the script that i have is actually a final draft so we got that then there was another one a few years before that which i think is actually the superior script it was freaking fantastic it never got made i don't i don't know how far it got it got pretty far but that movie wasn't as close as the second script to being made so we're going to be talking about that But before we do, of course, we got to open with what we always open with nowadays, which is the scare of the week. So, Screaming Witch, please take me away. So this week's scare of the week is a movie that should have been on last week's episode talking about Killer Santas. I don't know how in the middle of all my researching for Killer Santa movies, I did not happen to stumble upon this movie It's not being streamed anywhere. I had to actually like buy it on YouTube, like rent it on YouTube to watch it because I saw the trailer randomly just, I was looking up, excuse me, sorry. I was looking up to watch once again, Tales from the Crypt all through the house, that episode, which I gushed about in last week's episode. And while looking for it, I saw a trailer for a movie called All Through the House, which was about a killer Santa. And I thought it was basically a remake on that story from Tales from the Crypt. But no way. This movie is my scare of the week. All Through the House is a Killer Santa movie. Which would have been probably my number one Killer Santa movie of all time. And last week's list. But I didn't get to see it until basically a few few days after. I want to say maybe two days after I finished releasing that episode. And this is a badass balls to the wall Killer Santa movie. Which... Great fucking kills, freaking badass looking Killer Santa. It was made in 2015. I I looked this movie up and like nobody talks about it. Nobody knows about it. So seriously, everywhere that you could stream it, like for rent, is basically it's only like three bucks. 
which is what I rented it for on YouTube, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a really good movie, top to bottom, fun ride, very simple, very straight up. And it's like in the vein of your next, you know, those recent horror slasher movies that have been coming out that are very brutal, very simple, not it's just straight to the point. And it's really good and a lot of fun. No names in there, nobody famous, no really Easter eggs for anything else that came before. There's no tributes or anything. This isn't like a love letter to movies of old. This is just a straight up standalone horror movie that gets the job done. It's so good, so well done, well filmed, well paced. You know, there's nothing special about it. It's just really well put together, very cohesive movie. There's a couple plot twists here and there that are a little outlandish, but nothing really distracts. It's a really good top to bottom movie. I really recommend you look this up. If I can go and redo, retcon my Killer Santa list, this movie would be number one all time. Better than anything that's come before it in that genre of holiday horror movies. This is the definitive Killer Santa movie. It's called All Through the House. Please check it out, guys. That is my scare of the week. Now, let's talk about Friday the 13th. So I find it funny that I'm talking about Friday the 13th during the 13th episode of the Scare Noodle podcast. This is episode 13 and we're talking Friday the 13th. This is great. I, I didn't even plan this. I just realized this while getting ready to record this episode. So it's only fitting that we jump into this. Now, I'm not going to talk about the whole franchise. Like I said, I'm going to talk about the rights battle and the unused scripts. I'm going to talk about the scripts first because the rights battle haps, begins right after the last movie that we were going to get pretty much got cut off. It got, well, not cut off, but shut down. Literally right before the camera, I think the movie was about a week or two away from going behind in front of the cameras. And because of a certain movie that we'll talk about when we talk about that particular script, because of a certain movie that bombed both commercially and critically, Paramount was like, fuck this, we're not doing horror movies anymore, which was a huge mistake because then we got It, and a few weeks after they shut down production on Friday the 13th, Get Out came out, and that movie went on to just do bonkers at the box office, and we're also just coming off of Split doing great at the box office, then Get Out, and then a few months later, It, which was a freaking just bonafide box office success we're talking like marvel movies box office numbers you know over 600 almost 700 million dollars at the box office worldwide like paramount you fucked up you had you had a freaking movie that would have made you at least 100 million 200 million dollars and it would have only cost you like 15 20 million dollars to make uh, just like halloween did for blumhouse but we're not going to get into that because I actually didn't like that script as much as the first one I'm going to talk about. So let's talk about this first script first because this was a ridiculously, potentially great Friday the 13th movie. Probably on par with the 2009 reboot, which to me is the second best movie in the franchise. I think, well, it is the best movie in the franchise. It's just not personally my favorite. My personal favorite is Friday the 13th Part 6, but that's with my nostalgia goggles on. I know that. The 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th is hands down the best movie in the franchise, but it doesn't have that nostalgic effect on me like the earlier movies do, especially part six and four. So 
In my personal favorites, I will place Friday the 13th Reboot as number two, Friday the 13th Part 6 as number one. But secretly, I know deep in my heart that the reboot is better than 6. It's just, it, it, ha it hasn't been as long since I've seen it. I saw it at a much older age, not as a child, where it has, where it would have created these very fond memories for me. But, let's talk about this script by Nick Antacosta. And no, I'm sorry, Nick Antosca, Antosca, something like Nick Antosca. That's what I'm going to say his name is. Nick Antosca wrote in 2015 a ridiculously great script for Friday the 13th. He was going to take this back to its roots. No supernatural heebie-jeebies, nothing of the sort. Jason, a camp, and counselors. And he was going to rampage right through them. Right from the start when you first read this script. You, he writes down his character introductions, you know, he has the names and who they are, the nerd, the, the really hot girl, the regular guy, the nerdy girl, the potentially lesbian girl or something like that. And as you go down each character's names and you get to the bottom where Jason is, his description for Jason is the best. He just writes, Jason Voorhees, nice guy, you'll see him soon. Right there, you, you already know that. This guy, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's playing with. He has something really cool up, up his sleeve with this. I like how it. I like how this movie opens up with a really good introduction of the camp counselors. They're doing some activities about saving each other from drowning in the lake, just in case someone is drowning in the lake, which is really cool considering that that's how Jason theoretically died as a child and then came back to wreak havoc. Now, some really cool things he does. I like towards the beginning of the movie with the first kill. You don't know who it is that's getting killed because these two kids meet up for some lovemaking in the camp, in the campsite, well, somewhere a little offsite across the lake in the middle of the night. And as they leave their separate ways, they both fear that they're being stalked by someone. It sounds like they're being followed. And apparently the camera was going to cut back and forth between both the kids running away from something, but only one of them was actually being stalked by Jason. And you don't know who it is until the final moment where they're, where both their legs get caught on something. But only one of them is actually in real danger. And Jason comes and kills the motherfucker. Which is really cool. There's also some really great kills on like a slide. Like one of those enclosed slides where a kid is sliding and a machete comes right through in the middle of the slide. And their whole body goes right through it. Really dope. One of the highlights. One of my absolute favorite highlights in this script that i read was a scene where the kids are discovering the bodies the the remaining the remaining kids they're discovering some of the bodies and they're freaking out over a campfire they don't know what the hell to do it's dusk it's not nighttime yet it's dusk so they can still see very well and in the middle of their arguing and they're screaming one of them points out far across the camp and they see jason and jason is standing I believe the script describes that he's about a football field away from them. So about 100 yards away, 300 feet. And he starts walking towards them. But he's ducking and diving in between camps. And he's coming out behind one campsite, one camp, um, one lodge. I'm sorry, one camp lodge. He's coming behind one lodge here. Then they look to the other side. He's coming out of there. And he's just coming at them, at them. And as he gets closer and closer, he's walking faster and faster and faster. And then he starts running. But the kids don't move. They're so scared of what's happening. He's just coming right at them. And then finally, at the end, they all break out running. But he catches one and he just like, mush he just like impales him with a machete and keeps running with him. And then like, 
puts him against a car and he starts slicing everyone up. He's beating the shit out of all the kids. The kids try to like jump him and fight him and shit, but he's just tearing them up. Part it's so badass and so terrifying. I could imagine how great of a one shot this would have been. Well, not really like a one shot, but a nice, oh, like just the camera cutting back and forth between Jason running towards the kids and the kids freaking out, not knowing what to do. It would have been a very tense scene. There's a lot of that, a lot of cuts in this in the script that you notice where you don't know what's really gonna happen and things like that. Where you know Jason is coming, you just don't know who's gonna get it and when they're gonna get it. Really cool. Another thing I would say is that the kids in this movie, although most of them are fodder, the main kids, the one that we do spend time with, there's a lot of cool scenes with them. Again, there's a character who is potentially a, a lesbian and her arc is pretty cool throughout and some others. Not There's really no genuine asshole. There's, these kids are like actually written really well, sort of Stranger Things-esque, but this movie was written, I believe, before Stranger Things. Yeah, definitely before Stranger Things. So, I just like the fact that the kids, although they're obviously cannon fodder, it's a Friday the 13th movie, I do like the fact that these kids, there was some nuance, nuance to them, you know, there was something, there was a character for everyone, you know, someone you can get attached to and root for, because they're genuinely cool kids, kind of like some of the cast in the 2009 Friday the 13th, of course, most of them were cannon fodder, obviously, but, you know, you had Aaron Yu's character, who was cool the the horny masturbating kid who was Aaron Yu's friend that was cool you know everyone except aside from the jock and the slut in that movie who were both like complete worthless assholes everyone was pretty cool you could like get attached and root for them and all that stuff so ooh, excuse me so yeah you there is a lot of that here in this movie as well which is pretty cool now those two scenes aren't the only highlights. The ending is crazy when the kids finally take down... Well, they think they took down Jason the first time. Whereas they fight him in someone's house right outside the camp. And they go at him. Like, there's a person who is in amputee. And they use, like, one of her, like, limbs to, like, really beat his ass. And they're all jumping him, stabbing him, hitting him. Hitting him with everything they got. Which was pretty cool. But... Of course, Jason doesn't stay down forever when the ambulance comes and the cops come and they put him away. He bursts out of the back of the ambulance car with like a hacksaw and he starts going ape shit on the whole town while the kids get in a car and run away and they get away from him, of course, the surviving kids. But he's literally just killing an entire town. And then there, there was going to be a post credit scene where... The town is covered in snow, and you see bloody footprints of Jason while you hear the ch 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 in the background. Now, that is badass. And I'll tell you why real quick. You see, there has always been a, a want or a desire from a lot of horror movie fans and writers and directors who want to tackle this series as well, and producers, to do Jason in the Snow. So this post-credit scene was giving the fans and everyone what they wanted, which was Jason in the Snow. It's, there have been a lot of writers who have said that it would be a really cool concept to see Jason in a, in a Winter Wonderland version of Crystal Lake, where it's just covered in snow and just him hiding in the snow and the footprints, just the actual visual of Jason in a very snowed-in location. Imagine being trapped in a cabin by snow and Jason's out there hunting you down. That would have been freaking dope. So he had a sequel already set up. He had a really good 
bare bones Jason movie. No need for mythology. No need for any of that. Which eventually the script got turned down. It wasn't taken. It didn't really get, like I said, that far along. As opposed to the other script that we're going to talk about right after. But I honestly think the horror community missed out on a really good Jason movie. I really think that this back-to-basics approach would have been great because look at Halloween. Halloween was very back-to-basics. Michael, Laurie, Michael's escaped. He's out here killing people. And that was a lot of fun. When they tried to, ins- to when they tried to insert all this other unnecessary shit in the new Halloween movie, that's when it got kind of, ugh, you know? Like, there were some parts inserted that were okay, like the podcasters trying to figure out you know, trying to talk to Michael, get an interview with Michael, get him to speak and all that. That was okay. But Michael's new therapist, psychiatrist or whatever, that was a freaking huge letdown in the movie. And this movie pretty much proves, well, not proved because it never got released. So we don't know what would have happened, like how successful it would have been. Though I think it would have been very successful because if anything, the 2009 reboot was very back to basics. It's just Jason on the campsite killing people and it worked. Of course, there was that whole little... um part of the movie where he kidnapped the girl because she reminded him of his mom but that was okay jason's a mama's boy he does weird things when it comes to his mom that's acceptable it didn't really kill the movie for anyone it was very good but this movie very bare bones very basic great highlights great kills again that moment with jason running behind the camp lodges to get closer and closer to the kids while they're freaking out as he's coming closer to them that scene i just wish i could have I could see that scene actually play out in the movie theater and just, I, I just imagine the opening weekend audience just freaking out, yelling, run, run, or just losing their shit because Jason's getting closer and these kids are freaking out. They're frozen in fear. They can't move and we're, and we're scared for them, you know? So this script is available practically anywhere. If you just Google it, it's not hard to find because it's on Reddit. I know it's on Reddit and Nick Antoska, he himself tweeted out the the script he was like oh hey look someone found it and leaked it here it is guys read it this is what this is the Friday 13th movie that almost got made until it got rejected or something like that but check it out it's a good script let's move on to the next one because this one is a bit more divisive I'm not really against this script per se I don't think it's bad I just don't think it's as good I do think it's very interesting and if directed correctly it probably would have been a very good movie because of the direction it takes now, this script was written by a man named Aaron Guzikowski. I hope I said that right. I hope I didn't butcher it. And like I said earlier, this movie was literally a week or two away from going in front of the cameras, right? But what happened was the movie Paramount just finished releasing the movie Rings, which was a sequel slash reboot to the Ring franchise, which only had one good movie that came out in Japan and then one movie that everyone loved because they only saw the American version. And then, you know, I don't like the movie The Ring. I respect what it did and what it did for horror in the early 2000s, you know, bringing that PG-13 style horror movies because I do believe PG-13 style horror movies could work. I just didn't like The Ring or The Grudge. wasn't for me. Now, the reboot slash sequel of Rings comes out in early February, a couple weeks before get out and a couple weeks before Friday the 13th starts filming this movie bombs tremendously makes no money nobody cared about it was even critically it's very low on Rotten Tomatoes it's a very low rating this movie did horrible Paramount got cold feet and decided not to do horror movies no more so they shut down production on Aaron Guzikowski's 
Friday the 13th. Now, the road to this movie was very rocky in the first place. I just spoke about the previous movie, and that movie would have been released in 2015, I believe, or 2016. And then this movie was being filmed early 2017 to release later that year in October or so. The thing is, is that because the next Friday the 13th movie is the 13th movie in the franchise, Paramount wanted it to be special. They were trying to figure out what to do. They wanted to make it very, very different. They wanted to reboot it and make it a very different movie, which is probably why they rejected Antosca's script, because it was very similar to the 2009 movie in that it was just a straight-up Jason movie. There was talk about a found footage Friday the 13th movie that a lot of fans did not want to see. I personally was very enthralled with the idea. I did want to see a found footage Jason movie. I was very curious as to how that would have worked. I also was down for like this movie uh, in concept. Basically, the whole idea that this movie was going to look at all the Voorhees family members. It was going to start off with Elias. Jason's father, who we've only seen in comic book and storyboards for Friday the 13th Part 6. He was actually going to be in Friday the 13th Part 6, but budget cuts and script rewrites. So all we got was a storyboard of him. Now, after Elias, we were going to get some scenes of Pamela being a murderer. And then finally, Jason was going to come out for the final third of the movie. So each third of the movie was going to have a different member of the Voorhees family as a killer. The way this was going to happen was Elias was going to be the original killer. He was going to kill a few people. Then Pamela was going to kill him. And then after Pamela, after Jason dies and Pamela goes on her killing spree, a la the original Friday the 13th, after she dies, Jason will show up a few years after that and begin his killing spree. Now, the cool thing about this was just how the origin of Jason was going to be explored through Elias. Apparently, it was going to be revealed that Elias never wanted Jason to be born because some way, somehow, he knew what Jason was going to become, and that drove him crazy, which is what made him start killing people. And Pamela was going to discover that Elias was a cheating piece of crap that wasn't faithful to her, was a horrible husband, so she was going to kill him, and then she would discover exactly what was it that happened to Jason. Some cool nods to the original movies in this script was that Elias was actually going to be the one who wore the, the sack bag, the sack over his head with one eye like Jason does in the second Friday the 13th movie. There was also going to be another Pamela Voorhees shrine like in Friday the 13th part two. A lot of the characters in this movies in this movie was going to be named after survivor characters from the original movies. And there would have been a returning character from the original Friday the 13th movie, Steve. Steve was actually going to be back, obviously casted, recasted, you know, with someone else and all that. But Steve would have been back and a lot of the camp counselors would have been named after various survivors in the Friday the 13th franchise, which actually would have been a pretty cool nod. But I feel like that is a problem with this movie from reading the script. There is a lot of nods to the original movies a lot it's, it's a lot of fan service in this movie sort of not star wars episode 7 in terms of retelling the same exact movie over and over again but just a lot of hey if you've seen these movies before you'll get this joke a lot of inside jokes now highlights from this script i would say would be the ending climax battle with jason in the last two in the last two final girls 
well, one of them is a final girl, the, the other one dies, but there was going to be this battle on this tower that was going to be on fire, and Jason was going to have it collapse, and, and shit, and he would disappear into the night while one of the girls actually made it out, and in this tower is where one of the girls was going to discover the book of Elias, where in his journal where he wrote that Jason must be killed, Jason must be stopped, Jason can't grow up, and all that, that was a really cool scene written out, would have been great to see. And I also like the ending shot where Jason actually, the shrine of Pamela Voorhees is like on a tree and she's overlooking the lake. Basically, you know, a warning for nobody to go to Crystal Lake because she's always watching and you hear the ch 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 in, in the end. That would have been really freaking cool to see as well filmed. Some other highlights towards the beginning are the kills by Elias. I like the fact that they were going to keep Pamela beheaded that she she no matter what she was going to get beheaded in this movie as well and yeah just a really cool story that it sounds like a lot on paper and you would have needed someone to really a really good director for the script because there's a lot to take here with this script and you would have needed someone who's really good at keeping things cohesive because there was going to be a lot to take in this movie and a lot of explanation and it might have left people confused as to holy crap what the fuck is going on? Where's Jason? And then he finally shows up because what I haven't said yet is that Jason is in this movie from the very beginning as a 16 year old disfigured kid who's bullied and tortured by his fellow, his fellow campers, you know, and because Pamela and Miss and Elias work at Crystal Lake, they always have Jason with them and he was going to be tortured and drowned and it was going to be this, a joke gone, a prank gone wrong from the kids and Pamela will discover exactly what happened, and then that's what triggers her her murderous rampage, you know. But yeah, like I said, this movie was really was literally right about to go in front of cameras, and then bam, it just didn't happen. And I'm kind of glad that we didn't get this movie, even though, again, we are almost coming on 10 years. Actually, this coming February, February 2019, will be 10 years since we got the last Friday the 13th movie, which really freaking sucks. You know, it's about to be nine years since the last Freddy movie next year as well. So, that hopefully with the success of Halloween and the fact that this rights battle, which we're going to talk about right now, with the success of Halloween and the rights battle being over, I hope that we get a new Friday the 13th movie because Jason, it's, Jason is due a comeback. He is the most popular slasher out of the three main icons, Freddy, Jason, Michael. He is the biggest badass out of the three he beat freddy in for, for um, freddy versus jason i don't care what anyone says i know freddy winked at the camera at the end but he was done okay like he was done jason won it's over he's the biggest badass he needs a new movie now speaking of the rights battle right after the production of this movie got shut down the original screenwriter of the first movie victor miller he it, he start, he instigated this clause that allowed him to get the rights to Friday the 13th back. It was a clause in the original contract. Uh, something that There was something that gave him the right that after 35 years, uh, uh, after the release of the original movie, he was, he was able to terminate the rights that he gave to Sean S. Cunningham, the original director, and Horror Inc., the company that owns the rights alongside Sean S. Cunningham to Friday the 13th, he basically had this clause that he could use at any time where as long as it's after 35 years of the original release, 
he could get the rights back from anyone who has the rights to Friday the 13th, which is what Victor wanted to do. He wanted the rights back to the movies. Sean S. Cunningham and Horror Inc. thought otherwise, so they filed a dispute against Mr. Miller, and this court battle ranged for over a year, and it affected pretty much everything. It halted any Friday the 13th movies being made because nobody knew who had the rights to what. For example, Victor Miller was trying to get the rights back to Friday the 13th, but because the original movie does not feature hockey mask wearing Jason or any form of an adult version of Jason, he wouldn't get the rights to the character of Jason Voorhees because all he had for him was young Jason who pops out of the lake at the end of the movie. Whereas Sean S. Cunningham and Horror Inc., they have the rights to Hockey Mask wearing Jason because he's a product of the sequels, not the original movie. So there was this whole battle for over a year. Unfortunately, it ended up shutting down production on new content for the Friday the 13th game that came out in the summer of 2017, which was a really fun game despite all its technical bugs and things like that. It was a very fun game where you got to play either as Jason or a bunch of camp counselors, and Jason was like running around. The player who controlled Jason was running around trying to kill the other counselors while you, as the counselors, were trying to figure out how to get out of the map that you were in, whichever iconic camp from any of the movies you were in. Really good game with a lot of planned downloadable content along the way, but because of what, because of this court battle, that game couldn't update anymore. It's still online right now. You can get it and play it, but there was no more future updates to the game coming up, which sucks. But yeah, so this court case was settled about two months ago. I know there's an appeal that Horror Inc. and Sean S. Cunningham want to file because the judge ruled in favor of Victor Miller. He did get the rights back to the title Friday the 13th, so no movie without him at the helm, can be called Friday the 13th if released in the U.S. But he doesn't have the rights to Jason, so there really isn't much he can do with the name because he can only use Pamela Voorhees, or if he wants to turn Elias Voorhees into the next iconic serial killer, then he can definitely do that. But it's complicated. I really hope that they can reach a settlement where maybe give Victor Miller some royalties to any movie called Friday the 13th after or something like that because may, the title might not really mean much, you know? It, it really might not. Without without Jason, that's a problem. I think that if you have a movie called Friday the 13th and there's no Jason, it's really not going to work. But if you have a movie called, like, Voorhees and Jason is there, then it's going to work. People are going to go see Jason no matter what you call the movie because it's Jason himself. It's like when Christopher Nolan stopped calling the Batman movies Batman. You know, he's called his sequel to Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and then The Dark Knight Rises. Those movies went on to make money. They did absolutely fine because we knew who the character on the screen was despite the title of the movie. You don't have to call it Batman. You can just call it The Dark Knight. Same thing with Friday the 13th. I feel like a really good title will probably be Voorhees, or His Name Was Jason, or Crystal Lake, you know, something like that. So hopefully they get their shit together and they can reach a settlement, because I know there's a plan to file an appeal to this to the settlement of this case. But yeah, figure it out, guys, because we really need another movie. However, the good thing is that although the court case has been settled, even though these guys are trying to file an appeal or thinking of doing it, we can now get a new Friday the 13th movie. We can get a Jason movie at least. We really we can and they have said after the the filing on the on, after the rule was set on this hearing that 
They are planning to do something with the franchise now because they know what they can do. And they have Jason, which is the most important part. The title is not important. The important thing is Jason. So because they have Jason, there are plans and they'll start talking about it very soon, especially with the success of Halloween very recently, that there are plans to go ahead with or without the title of Friday the 13th. Because, like I said, they have Jason. And that's all that matters. You got Jason, you're good. You can make your movie. Call that shit Voorhees. That's it. Do it. So yeah, that's what's been going on with Friday the 13th recently. And it sucks that we did not get these, either one of these two scripts that I just talked about. Because, especially the first one, that's a really, really fun movie. I love... I loved reading the script. I've read that script maybe like 10 times. It's so much fun. It's, it's actually kind of scary too. But Jason to me has not always been scary. He's always been more fun. It's What's scary about him is how brutal he is and how unstoppable. But it's fun. It's like a summer fun slasher movie. That's what Friday the 13th always is. It's like a fun summer slasher where you just watch a bunch of dumb kids get killed by this hockey mask wearing guy. It sounds kind of morbid that I like this shit, but if you're listening to this show, then you like this shit too. So we're all a little bit morbid. But I there, I know there's a bunch of other scripts out there. Like there's mo- there's a lot of Freddy versus Jason scripts out there. I've read a few of them. Some of them have to deal with Freddy and Jason fighting for control of hell and some and another script that has to do with Jason's father. There, there were a lot of times where Jason's father, Elias Voorhees, where people try to bring him into the fold. I don't know what this obsession is with him. It's, I guess there's just this obsession with telling an origin story to Jason. And it's not really necessary. That's that's not really... There's nothing really that we need to know. We really don't. But I guess it's just trying to milk some, get something new out of this franchise. That really, if it's not broken, you don't need to try to fix it. It's fine. Every few years, just give us a Jason movie where he has fun with a bunch of dumb kids. You know, just do it. But that's going to end this week's episode, this topic. We're going to jump right in to reader mail right now because we got some pretty good questions. Let's go. So the first question comes from Danny and Danny asks, Hey Noodles, any other horror franchises that you would like to see rebooted anytime soon? Yes, I do. It's kind of hard to figure out which ones because they're all pretty much getting rebooted. Like, for example, last night I just saw the new Hellraiser, which came out this year. I don't know how recently it came out. It just popped up on my Netflix yesterday and I watched it and I enjoyed it a lot because I, I do like where that movie ended and pretty much the potential for the series if they piggyback off the ending of this sequel. So, yeah. But as for other franchises I would like to see rebooted, Nightmare on Elm Street would probably be my biggest one. I do want to see the next one. Child's Play is being rebooted. Leprechaun just got rebooted. Scream got rebooted as a TV series, and that was good. But mostly Nightmare on Elm Street is the one I want to see the most. And that's, yeah, because everything else is pretty much rebooted at this point in time. I know there's a Resident Evil reboot coming out. I'm curious to see that, what they do with that. But as for now, I would say... Nightmare on Elm Street, and probably Pumpkinhead. I know there's talks about a Pumpkinhead reboot in the works. I would like to see that. I don't think Pumpkinhead got a fair shake in the 90s, you know, so I would love to see him, someone take another crack at Pumpkinhead. Thanks for your question, Danny. Now, next up, I got Jamie, and Jamie asks, <laughs> this is a funny question. Jamie asks, who do you think will win in an arm wrestling match, Jason or Michael Myers? In an arm wrestling match, I would honestly say that Jason will rip Michael Myers' fucking arm off. Jason is all-powerful, all-knowing. Just, he's he's a monster. He is a fucking 
monster. He is a beast. And yeah, hands down, Jason would just... I even think Jason, if we get a Jason versus Michael movie, Jason's going to win. Hands down, easily. Michael has no fucking shot. He is a stalker. He looks at you from far away, then he comes after you whenever he can. Jason sees you and he's coming after you to kill you right away. Michael is not as ferocious, as brutal as Jason, well, the recent Michael Myers, maybe Tyler Maine's Michael Myers, maybe, but I still think Jason will whoop his ass, arm wrestling, real wrestling, kill count, everything, yeah, on to the next question, which comes from Carlos, and Carlos asked a pretty good one as well, Carlos asks, would you rather be stuck in an abandoned warehouse with the puppet masters, gremlins, the critters, or any of George Romero's zombies? Okay, so I have to pick one. Which one would I rather be stuck with? I would honestly say the gremlins. Because the gremlins are... Mis like, yeah, the gremlins will kill you. But they're very mischievous and, like, dumb. So, I think they're the easiest to beat. The puppet masters, fuck that. Zombies, no. And critters? No, 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 no. I, I would take on the gremlins. Just, I, I feel like I have the best shot at killing them. Because there's multiple ways to kill the gremlins. You can kill them... I can stomp them to death. I, I can beat their asses. Everything else is a little too supernatural for me. And I don't know how many zombies from Romero we're talking here. You know, I could be overwhelmed very quickly. So, and they're hard to kill. They're, they're, I mean, yeah, shoot them in the head and that's it. They're dead. But it, it, the numbers game would just, you know, destroy me. So I'll take on the gremlins. I think I could survive that or at least, you know, make it as far. I, I probably could make it survive a longer time than everything else, you know. Honestly, as long as I'm not stuck with the robots from Five Nights at Freddy's, I should be good. I, I should actually be good. But thanks for your questions, guys. Now we're just I'm just going to end this show right now by telling you what you have to look forward to in the next coming week. See, this is the last ep regular episode of Scare Noodle Podcast for the, for the year of 2018. So next week, what I'm going to do is two episodes. One, that's going to be a countdown of all the best things that happened in horror in 2018, as well as an episode about what to look forward to in 2019 but that episode will also be combined with a little bit of a wish list of what i would like for, for what i would like to happen in horror in 2019 so those will be the two episodes for next week and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming in 2019 it's going to be awesome so thank you guys for listening to this episode the first 13 episodes of the scare noodle podcast it's been a real cool humble beginning can't wait to give you guys way more content next year it's going to be freaking awesome. So, as always, follow me on Twitter. That's at CastNoodle. Send your questions to my email at ScareNoodleCast at gmail.com. Tune in every week, you know, just so we can hang out, talk all this crap. All the interactions have been great. All the comments, all that stuff. It's been good. So, thank you guys. As always, I will be here next week. I look forward to talking scary with all of you soon on the Scared Noodle Podcast.